Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn, please, to Genesis chapter number 17. Genesis chapter 17, we've been studying for the last several weeks the life of Abraham. As we come to Genesis chapter 17, we come to a transforming chapter of God's Word. Uh, You look back and even just recall some of the things that transpired in, in Abram's life. Abram was the man with whom God had made a promise. If you look back even in in Genesis chapter number 12, in the opening few verses, we see the promise in seed form. And later on, even this morning, we'll see that expanded and further explained. But he says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And this is the Abrahamic covenant. This covenant was not uh, not hinging upon Abram's behavior, because even just a few verses later, we would find the, the failure of this man. Yes, he would leave and he would follow the Lord's leadership and he would leave Ur of the Chaldees and he would go into the land of Canaan and sojourn there ever so briefly. But when the famine came, he, he fled down to Egypt, concocted this lie and, and was, was kicked out of the land. And he came back and, you know, still with, with uh, some of the lingering uh, things of Egypt, which is a picture of the world in his heart. And yet, there was division and, uh, there amongst his herdmen and Lot's herdmen, his nephew, with whom uh, a, uh, who was traveling and living with, with Abram and Sarai. You know the story how Lot chose the plain of Jordan, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. We find victory, however, even as Chedorlaomer came and, and, and stole away all the inhabitants of Sodom, and a word got back to Abram, and Abram and, and put together some of his men that were hired servants in his house, 350, and pursued after Chedorlaomer and, and overtook them and defeated them in battle, rescuing his nephew and restoring all of the possessions that had been taken back to the, the inhabitants of Sodom. Abram met Melchizedek, who is a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see how Abram decided he was going to live for the Lord, and he gave him offerings from all that he had, but as time would transpire, as time would go on, we see even Abram, where we left off last Sunday night, losing patience with God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever lost patience with the Lord? God had made this great, profound promise to Abram. We just read it in chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. God promised him a great family, that they would be a great and mighty nation. Yet Abram and his wife Sarai, were in their, he was in his 80s and still had no child. And so Sarai urged her husband to marry her handmaid, the Egyptian handmaid named Hagar. 
They were wed, and through all of that, this Hagar bare Abram a son named Ishmael. Remember, Ishmael's name means that God hears. Aren't you thankful that God hears? Unfortunately, Abram never saw God in the matter. And as he looked at, at Ishmael, who by the time we arrive here in Genesis chapter 17, is now a 13-year-old boy, every time he looked at that young man, he was reminded of his failure of seeking God. Now understand, all children are a blessing. But, except for the ones who aren't. I'm just kidding. But we think of all the promises that God has. And had Abram just waited. You know, we can look at Abram's life and we're reminded that he's no different than you and me. His life is filled with strokes of spiritual brilliance, isn't it? But his life is also filled with with personal failures concerning spiritual matters. And almost like a grandfather clock, the pendulum would swing from one extreme to the other. At the end of chapter 16, we find that Abram is an 86-year-old man. And between the chapter 16 and verse 16 and chapter 17 and verse number 1, we find 13 years have just ticked by. And nothing extravagant has happened in, in Abram's life. Perhaps he's just existing. Perhaps he's a bit discouraged. He, he had been given a promise by God, but it's been silent. He's not heard from God, and perhaps he's not attempted anything more for the Lord at the same time. But here we are, in Genesis chapter number 17, and that silence, that piercing silence, where there, where there is no word from God, there is no direction from the Lord, comes to an abrupt end as God meets with Abram and transforms his life. Would you look what the Bible says? And if you're able, I invite you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read just a few verses of Scripture Beginning in verse number 1 of Genesis chapter 17, the Bible says this, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to, God, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, 
Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee, every man-child among you, shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you every man-child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, or shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her, Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? And Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah... Thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, we are thankful for its life-changing power. Lord, we're thankful that your word is truth that there is no error found within the pages of this book. And Father, this morning we ask that your perfect word would have its perfect way in our hearts and lives this morning. Father, we've already read the passage. We pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding, that we would understand exactly what the word of God is saying here. And Father, that you would help us make proper application of it to our lives today. Lord, we need your grace, we need your guidance and strength and help. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning, and Lord, help us live for thee. Lord, may we be yielded to your work in our lives today. And Lord, again, if there's someone here today who's lost, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Word of God says in Genesis chapter 17 in verse number 5. Remember, this chapter is a transforming chapter of God's Word. This is a high water mark in the life of Abraham. God comes to him who has failed him repeatedly. And God reaffirms his covenant with Abraham and then changes Abram's name to Abraham. Look what the Bible says in verse number 5 and mark this statement, Thy name shall be. 
thy name shall be. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that I'm not who I used to be. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad I'm not who I used to be? I want you to hold your place here in Genesis chapter 17 and look with me, if you would, to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. You see, at the moment of salvation, something incredible happens. The Word of God uses rich metaphors to describe the processes of salvation. Uh, Statements like having passed from death unto life. Uh, Statements like being quickened from the dead. But here we find another rich statement here in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. Understanding this, that you are no longer who you used to be. And aren't you thankful for that? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse, let's just begin in verse number 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. You and I, friends, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We, there, was, there was none righteous, no, not one. There was nothing good of us, in and of our own selves. Even Jesus rightly said, of course, He is God. He says there's none good but one who is God. Jesus is the only good person who's ever walked this earth. There's nothing good in us. There's nothing special about us. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you know who you are? You are your worst thought. That is who you are. What you think about at night. The thoughts you entertain. Not the most pleasant and sweetest and most loving thought, but the wickedest and most vile thought. That's who you are. And that's who I am. But we were dead in our sins. Christ died for us all because we were all dead. And the Bible goes on in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And he says, And that he died for all, and they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now henceforth know we him no more. Notice verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Church, realize this today, that at the moment of salvation, something all transforming happened in your life. You were born again of God's Spirit. Your life was transformed. You were no longer the the wicked sinner you used to be. Now you're just a saved wicked sinner. 
You and I, we have hope, and our hope is not found in ourselves. Our hope is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, became sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Church, understand this, that every good thing in your life has happened because of God. And as we look back at Abram's life, God looks at him in chapter 17, in verse number 5, and says, Thy name shall be Abraham. God changed his name. You know, he's done more for us than simply change our name, hasn't he? He's brought us up out of that miry pit and set our feet upon a rock and has established our goings. He's caused us to pass from death unto life. You and I are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All the blessings and, and promises of God and the Lord desires that our lives would be transformed. Why are you here this morning? Why do you come and sit here in, the, in these chairs? Because they're not the most comfortable chairs in all the world, are they? Why are you here? What are you seeking after? What are you, what are you pursuing today? What did you come hoping to hear? What do you want? Do you truly desire God's will in your life? Is that what your soul yearns for? Is that what your heart craves? Do you crave God? Do you crave the things of God? Are you tired of living defeated? Are you tired of those great pendulum swings of your life? Understand, you don't have to, you don't have to live inconsistently like Abram lived, like Abraham lived. You and I, we can live according to the transforming power of God. Look what the Word of God says in Romans chapter number 12. You see, God wants to transform your life. He wants to take what we've abused, what we've neglected. He wants to take what we have mistreated and and misused. God, God wants to take it, what we've ruined and what we've marred. And He wants to make it new again. <laughs> In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, again, a very well-known and well-referenced passage of Scripture, but Paul writes, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not what, in verse 2, be not what? Conform to this world. That's the great lure today, isn't it? The lure is conformity. I just want you to fall in line, is what the world is telling you. Don't think for yourself let these other people who don't love you, who don't know you, who don't care about you, who are only after for themselves, let them think for you. Let them decide for you. That's not, that's not biblical Christianity. You and I are to judge all things by his word. And he does say to be judging. You know. But we look here, and God says, don't be conformed. 
Conformity is easy, isn't it? But transformation, on the other hand, that's tough. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Church, do you want your life to be transformed? Aren't we tired? Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of the same battles, the same fights, the same fears, the same failures? Aren't you tired of it? I get sick of it, and I grow so frustrated with myself, I can hardly stand it. But we don't have to live that way anymore. You and I are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Do you desire for your life to be transformed? For 13 years, between chapters 16 and 17, there's that window that we know nothing of. Do you think Abram grew tired? Do you ever wonder what Abram thought? Boy, I really messed it up now. Man, I ruined it. I had one chance, and I blew it. Have you ever thought about that in your own life? I've had so much opportunity, yet I've squandered it. I've been given so much, but I've been a wretched steward of it. For 13 long grueling years. Abram existed. You know, I don't want to merely exist. You aren't here to simply exist. You know that? You're not here for yourself. You're not here for your own will and pleasure. You're here for God's glory. For his pleasure we are and were created. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Haven't you grown tired of it? Do you long for the day when God comes to you and says, Your name shall be. And he gives you that hope. That reassurance. That confidence that you need to continue on. At the moment of salvation, you've been changed. You've been born again of God's Spirit. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You either know him or you don't. But for those of you who know him, your lives have already been changed. And you can enjoy the blessings of God today. You can enjoy the victories of of a consistent Christian life today. How? I'm glad you asked. Look back in Genesis chapter 17. I'd like to share with you this morning three, three ways 
you and I can live a transformed life. Notice the first is that this transformation is the work of the Godhead. It's the work of the Godhead. As we look back in Genesis chapter 17, I find it amazing that that we see three different titles of God used in the first three verses of Genesis 17. Look what the Bible says. He says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord, notice the Lord. Won't you mark that title? Lord, it's in all capital letters. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am, notice, the Almighty God. Note the title, the Almighty God. He says, walk before me and be thou perfect. Isn't that a great aspiration? To walk before the Lord and to be perfect. <laughs> you can't do it on, your, on and of yourselves. You can try, but you'll grow weary and you'll give up. In verse 2, the Bible says, And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and notice, and God, there's the third title, God talked with him, saying. The word in verse number, or the title in verse 17, or chapter 17 and verse 1, the title Lord in all capital letters is Jehovah. Jehovah God, the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God of Israel. And the Jehovah God of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. So Christ showed up and spoke with Abram. But then we see the title there in verse number 1, the Almighty God, which... title we come in in the Hebrew is El Shaddai, or for us normal folk, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. What is El Shaddai? It means the satisfier. It speaks of the one who, who pours himself into believers and makes their lives fruitful. Who does that sound like? The Holy Spirit. And in verse 3, we find the title God, or the name Elohim, which is the ultimate and absolute sense of who God is, God the Father. You look at you look at what God promises and it can only be wrought by the Godhead as a whole. Look, look there again in verse number one. He says, and, I, and, and when Abram was 90 years old and 90, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. Be thou perfect. And he says, And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on, fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, 
for a father of many nations have I made thee. And he says, I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed, and uh, after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto them, I'm sorry, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. Verse 8, I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Did you notice how many times God said, I will, I will, I will. He doesn't say, I will, and you shall, or ye shall, and I will. This is God making a promise to him. I wonder how many times in our lives we kind of scoff at the promises of God and we think that, you know, we have to work to earn God's favor or merit God's grace. And that, that is just a travesty. The truth is, you and I cannot please God. And that might be a hard pill to swallow. But you and I, we cannot please God. There's nothing in us that will enable us to make God happy. The only one in the entire universe who can truly please God is Jesus Christ. He pleased his Father. And he can transform our lives and help us live for him. You and I, we are what we are by the grace of God. Church, Everything Abram was promised, everything God made him, even what we see in his life today, even looking at Israel today, we see the hand and blessing of God. But it's wrought by God and not by us. And you and I, we must be sensitive to his leadership. We must be yielded to his direction. We must be a submissive people, an obedient people. Look at Abram's response. Look in verse 3. He says, And Abram fell on his face. And may I tell you, that's where he was the whole conversation. He was on his face before God. When is the last time you have gotten on your face before the Lord? Abram realized who he was and who God was. He saw himself in the light of a holy God. Look what Isaiah writes. Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah caught a glimpse of God and had the proper response to God. In Isaiah chapter 6 in verse... Number one, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. 
What a terrible sight this must have been. But the Bible says in verse 5, as Isaiah continues and recounts his interaction with Almighty God, he says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Abram fell on his face before Almighty God. Abram was well aware of his failures. Just like you and I are aware of our own. And yet for God to come and meet with Abram who was unworthy, undeserving as are we, he realized it was a work of God. Who changed his name? Did Abram change his name or did God change his name? God changed Abram's name. It was a work of God. Notice the second, the second truth we see back in Genesis chapter 17 as it pertains to living the transformed life. It's going to require something. It requires the death of our flesh. It requires the death, the death of our flesh. Look what the Bible says in verse number 9 of Genesis chapter 17. It says, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among, among, among you every man-child in your generations that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. He, it is, uh, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. God made a promise in the seal of this covenant. This is like a contract that, that God was writing with Abram. God says, listen, Abram, this is what I'm going to do for you. But I need you to sign the contract. Does it sound good? It sounds painful, Lord. I tell you that most often in life, the best things God gives often require a bit of pain. And God said, Listen, Abraham, you need to be circumcised. Abraham's 90. Nine years old. But do you want the blessing or not? I told you what I'm going to do, Abraham. 
Here's the pen. Have you ever signed a legal document? It doesn't matter if you don't sign the line. We find later on in this chapter that the same day Abram, or Abraham, I'm sorry, took Ishmael and every man in his household. They were all circumcised that day. You know what circumcision is a picture of? It's a picture of the death of our flesh. Death to self. Do you, you know why so oftentimes we fail to live the Christian life? Because we haven't died to self. We have not crucified our flesh with the affections and lusts. We want the blessing. Abram wanted children. Sarah wanted a child. They wanted the blessing. They wanted the land. Who wouldn't? They had to, he had to be circumcised to get it. This was the seal of the covenant that God had already made. The promise he had already extended. And Abraham had to act by faith and believe God and do the uncomfortable thing, the painful thing, the humiliating thing. He had to die. Would you look with me please in Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2. And notice what Christ has done for us. Verse 20, the Bible says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which, are, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and, and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor of the satisfying of the flesh, and he says in verse 1 of chapter 3, if ye then be risen with Christ. In other words, if you know the Lord as your Savior, if you've trusted Him, if you've been redeemed, born again, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Why we live in the world, but man, our affections are so often tied too tightly to this world, aren't they? What are you living for? What are you pursuing? What do you want? 
well, our appetite should be not for the things of this world, but should be for the things of Christ as he sitteth in the right hand of God. And he goes on and he says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, I, I hope that I can say that about my own life. Is Jesus my life? Does does, does my pursuit, do my, do my passions, does everything revolve around Him? When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. What a wonderful promise. And he goes on, he writes, Mortify therefore. Mortify therefore. Because of who we are in Christ, because of what Christ has made us, the position that we hold, the promises we've been given. He says, mortify, therefore. Mortify. The word mortify means to die or to put to death. He says, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, and he gives a rather scathing list. He says fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off these, things, these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Wherefore, this is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all put on. Church. We've got to die. We must mortify our members. You know, our flesh wants certain things, doesn't it? The, our flesh wants to please itself. Our flesh is looking for instant gratification, which will always lead to immediate remorse. That's why we're told to die. You can't, have, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. You can't live for the world and, and God at the same time. It's impossible. You cannot serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other, or hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Therefore, you and I, we must choose today. We must choose to die. What are you going to choose? It only comes, the blessings of God only comes through death. Death to self. And he looked at Abram and asked him to do something uncomfortable. Unpleasant. I, can you imagine? Abram, what? 
what do you want me to do? Hold on. Are you serious? Yet he did it. He put to death his flesh so he could live a transformed life. But notice lastly, look back in Genesis chapter 17 concerning the transformed life that you and I are called to live. Not only is it the work of the Godhead, not only does it require the death of our flesh, but notice lastly, this transformation will only happen God's way. It will only happen God's way. There's no other way but God's. Abraham is a bit presumptuous here. And maybe even a bit argumentative with God. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. And, and God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt call her name Sarah, but, or I'm sorry, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. And said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Look what he says to God in verse number 18. And Abraham, Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Okay, no, this is how it's going to be, God. That Ishmael will be the one. You still haven't learned, have you, Abraham? You realize that God has a will, and his will is perfect. That God has a way of doing things that's not necessarily our way of doing things. Abraham's 100 years old. Sarai, or Sarah, she's now 90. They're beyond the years of bearing children. Ha! That's hilarious, God. Thank you. Here's Ishmael. Let's just do it this way. Not so, Abraham. It's not how it's going to be. Can you imagine how upside down the world would be? Maybe we should say how much more upside down the world would be if God just let us do everything our own way? Abraham, you've already followed it up enough, don't you think? You've already disobeyed. You've already tried to take things in your own hands. You've already tried to manipulate the situation and make it even worse. Abraham, you either trust me or you don't. It's not Ishmael. It's Isaac. Now, 
doesn't make sense, though, does it? How often do we sit back and think, God, why are you doing it this way? But God, in his infinite wisdom, explains. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Isaiah. Back to Isaiah chapter number 55. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 6. He says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Abraham, it's not your way. We're not going to do this your way. We're going to do it my way. Are you willing to do it God's way? Are you willing to live your life God's way? That's, this is where Abram really, this is where the rubber met the road. I've already got Ishmael. I know you've got Ishmael. And he's going to be blessed too, Abraham. But wouldn't you rather have Isaac also? Well, I'm 100 years old, Lord. Sarah's 90. Oh, that Ishmael would live before thee. Abram, not so. And he goes on in verse 8 of Isaiah 55, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Do you know what God's way is? It's this way. This way. Christian, realize this. If you want your life to be transformed, you have to do it God's way. There's no other way but this way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto, according to thy words, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word of God is quick and powerful. 
and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's got to be an easier way. No. This is the only way. This is the only way. We've got to come to the point in our lives where we're just tired of the constant defeats the highs and the lows, the pendulum swings from one extreme to the other. We've got to come to the place in our lives where we are willing to yield ourselves to the working of God. We've got to realize that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, that you can't do it both ways. You can't have it, you can't have it both. It's either, church, it's either God's way or it's no way at all. You've got to die to flesh and obey his word. What will your decision be this morning? Why settle for anything less than the best God has to offer? God told Abram, thy name shall be transformed him, transformed his life. The end of the conversation, notice what the Bible says as we close. Verse 23, the Bible says, And Abram, Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with money, or with his money, every male among them of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day, as God had said unto him. And Abraham was 90 years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. You know what? It's not too late. It's not too late. Wherever we are this morning, won't you just obey the Lord? Won't you just follow God and enjoy the transformed life that he promised to give you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed,